It is great to be back with all of you after being away for a little while. Uh, let me catch you up to speed on that. As I told you a few weeks ago, I was going to be away a little while with my wife, Donna, who has been dealing with a chronic health condition for many years that had gotten progressively worse, and we were out of state at a medical clinic where she was receiving care. And first of all, I, I want to thank you all for your support and encouragement. All the texts, all the emails, the good ones, and the email, I got good emails. It's good. Yeah, I share bad ones a lot. I don't tell you. The good, good ones. And cards and calls and all that and your prayers. Thank you so much. I cannot express to you how much it means to my wife Donna and I uh, beyond what I can even express. Uh, we are thankful that we have a new treatment plan going forward. Um, it's going to be a long journey. There are a couple things that are beginning to improve. Uh, there are other things that are getting worse. And they kind of told us to expect that up and down for a while. So we are hopeful. We are prayerful. We do have to go back the end of the summer, middle of the summer, end of July, 1st of August. We'll have to be away again um, for a little while with that. But, but we're hopeful and doing everything we can to be faithful with what God has put in front of us. So I want to thank you so much and ask you to continue to pray. And I'll keep updating you along the way as... Uh, as we go through this. So, and I know many of you, many of you are hurting. Many of you are facing challenges and going through things in life. And, uh, I, I want you to know that even though I don't know all your names and I don't know all the situations, I lift you up and our staff lifts you up and people lift you up to our heavenly father. You are not alone. You don't hurt alone. You don't journey alone. And so it's great to be in a community where we do this together. So let's talk about what it means to be human, how to be human and not suck at relationships and not be a jerk and goodness sakes, not die alone. We're going to try to avoid all of that. And I want to begin by kind of letting you in on a little bit of uh, something you may not know about me. Um, maybe you do, maybe you've picked up on it, but here's the deal. I, I love music. Uh, that's not a surprise. I'm a big music fan. I love all different kinds of music and grew up in a musical family, musical background, and all that kind of stuff through college. But I really, really like good bluegrass music. I love good bluegrass music. And, and the bluegrass music is misunderstood. It gets a bad reputation because people don't understand it. They don't understand the skill that it takes to play like that. And I love the harmonies. I love the history of it. It goes back to Celtic music. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. So I just, I, I'm, I, and I like classic country too. I guess you could say that, the, the, kind of the older stuff, the stuff that sounds like country music. Like this new bro country stuff. <laughs> Please. Those guys, those guys live in Hollywood. You can't do country music. Okay, anyway, that, that's not why you came, but now you know. Um, like Ricky Skaggs, love, love Skaggs, and I know he's going to be in the area soon. I can't go to the concert, but man, it's good stuff. There was a country song. You're like, where's this going? There was a country song that came out about 20 years ago. And you're like, I wasn't even born then. Okay, I know, but you probably, you probably have heard this song because uh, it, it, it made it big. And I, I didn't really care for the song. I thought it was kind of annoying. Um, but it's a Toby Keith song and not, nothing against Toby Keith. Uh, I think he's still doing some stuff here and there. But you know, this was big back then. And the name of the song is I Want to Talk About... Me. Here's the chorus. I ain't singing it. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about number one, oh my, me, my. What I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. Isn't that annoying? 
He goes on. I like talking about you, 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 usually, but occasionally I want to talk about me. It's kind of bold, isn't it? Kind of brash. It's the closest thing the country, I think, has gotten to rap, and they got away from it real quick. But it's kind of a, like, no one, who, who would say that? Who would, who would come right out? And I mean, you can get away with that in the, in the song kind of thing, but we wouldn't like really never say that, would we? Most people wouldn't. But here's what's interesting. It is very natural and very normal. In fact, it is human to find yourself focusing on me in your relationships any of your relationships, all of your relationships. It, it, there's nothing necessarily wrong because that's your starting point. That just means you're human. Focus on me. For me to focus on me, for you to focus on me, I mean, well, not me, for you to focus on the you me, me to focus on the me me, it, it's pretty normal, pretty natural. We're bent as human beings towards selfishness. That's just kind of the way it is. And we're all looking out for ourselves. And it comes out in different ways and how we live and what we think and what we say. You can even see it in the dating relationships, right? It begins to surface. Once you've dated, you know, for a few weeks, a few months, it, but you overlook it really quickly, right? You're just like, oh, he's so, he's so handsome though. Oh, she's so pretty. Oh, and they're just perfect. And you, you overlook it and then you get married and you stop overlooking it. <laughs> like, I'm stuck with your selfish butt. So now, right, it's, it's just kind of the way it works. But, but you see it in parenting too. You see it at the office, co-working relationships. You see it in friendships. You see it in all relationships. Me, 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 me. This is what I'm talking about. And you may not right come out and say it, but this is what you think. This is what you feel. What's in, what's in this for me? What's in this for me? And, and how is this working for me, really? How do I get this to work for me? What about me? What about, what about me? What about what I think? What about what I want? What, what, about, what about my opinion? What about, my, what about me? How? And here's what our culture tells us, sadly. Our culture teaches us that when it's not working for you, it's time to move on to somebody else. Isn't that what our culture basically teaches us? And when we hear people say it, well, this is just not working for me anymore. It's not you, it's me. This is not working for me anymore. And, and some people just go from relationship to relationship to relationship. You mean you're, you're a professional dater because you can't find anybody to focus on you. You wouldn't come right out and say it. Maybe you don't understand what that is, but you're like, the whole concept that the, the, you know, relationships don't revolve around me. And maybe you found yourself going from marriage to marriage for the same thing. Or maybe you find yourself going from job to job to job to job because you just can't find coworkers that will really do it your way. What is wrong with these people? I need some new employer friends and employee friends. I need some new work friends, right? You, it, it's subtle. But it's there. Our culture teaches us it's time to move on when, you, when it's no longer working for you. And some of you are sitting there going, but wait, 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 wait. I just want to be happy. Doesn't, Pastor, Pastor, doesn't God want me to be happy? I'm just trying to be happy. I mean, is there a crime for me to want to be happy? Doesn't God want me to be happy? Here's the deal. I'm not saying God wants you to be unhappy. But I'm saying happiness is the wrong focus. You know why? Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness changes by the hour sometimes, by the minute even. I mean, it just comes and goes. I mean, if that's, your, if that's what you look at to say, oh, I'm just trying to be happy, well, you better come with something weightier than that. In fact, that is not the, the approach of a, of a relationship 
that both honors God and honors the person that you're in relationship with, nor honors you. It's a lose, lose, lose situation when you focus on me, 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 me. Let me say it like this. In relationships, when I make the relationship about me, automatically I limit what it can be. Right up front. When I make the relationship about me, I limit what it can be. I become the lid to where this relationship is going. It'll never go beyond me. When I make it about me, I limit. You limit your marriage, you limit your dating relationships, you limit your family dynamic, you limit your friendships, you limit your work relationships, you limit relationships when you make it about yourself. Because the foundation of all healthy relationships, all of them across the board, is the understanding that you keep the other person in mind. You know, the other person that you're in relationship with. I mean, that's a fundamental foundational element of how healthy relationships work is that I'm thinking about you. I'm not just thinking about me. And I'm not just going to make this about me. I don't want to limit what it can be. And see, that's the way God created healthy relationships to work. And here's what you may miss. When we focus on each other, we actually become more human as God intended it to be, as God created us to be. When I focus on myself, the uncomfortable truth is when I become me-centered, I hinder my relationships automatically. When I get me-centered, I hinder my marriage, I hinder my friendships, I hinder staff relationships when I make it about me. Okay, that's our default setting and that's where we go and sometimes that's where we want to stay. Me, 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 me. And it happens subtly sometimes and sometimes it's overt. Sometimes you just come around and say, this is not working for me. What about me? What about me? What about me? Like some of you right now are really struggling with this. Well, we're going to wrestle it to the ground together. Now, let me take a side note here look, and, and say a couple things. Number one, if you are in an abusive relationship, and I mean real abuse, I don't mean what the world has called, come to call abuse, like, you know, well, they just won't do things my way. I'm being abused. I'm a victim. He looked at me wrong. She looked at me wrong. You know, they, they, they just, you know, can you believe them? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real abuse. I'm talking about if you're in danger, Right? If you're in danger and you're in an unsafe place, number one, you need to get safe. And we can help you get safe. We can help you get the help you need. That is so vitally important. I say that because what we're going to talk about today is not addressing that. That's a different topic for a different day, and that's a serious deal, not to be taken lightly. I don't want anyone here to hear what I'm going to talk about in the next few moments and just assume, oh, well, then I just need to stay in a relationship where he hits me, where she hits me, where they, you know, my life is in danger. And, and I'm not saying all abuse is, you know, of one kind. There's different kinds of abuse. I get it. But I'm talking about when you're in a dangerous situation, that's not what we're talking about today. That's a serious deal. Okay, cool. Here's the other thing. You need to be aware of and pay attention to your personality type. And what I mean by that is all of us, God created us with different personalities. And, and be aware of how God created you. Now, here's the deal. There are upsides and downsides to everybody's personality by God's design. Upsides and downsides. I mean, even if you have an annoying personality, there's an upside and a downside 
to that. I mean, there are certain things that are like, oh, this makes you really good at this. And there are other, there's a dark side and a shadow side to all personality types. And here's why I bring this up. Let's say you're on the side of the spectrum where you have a personality type that's a little bit more on the narcissistic side of things. And I know it's a big word and we don't like that word kind of thing, but I would fall into that category. Narcissistic type personality types doesn't necessarily mean you're a narcissist, but it does mean, you know, maybe you're a dominant personality, visionary driver, tend to be leaders kind of thing. And if you're not careful, you, you really are going to struggle with what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes. Because by default, you're a little bit more selfish. You make it about me, 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 me. And, and God created you with that personality, but you have to be responsible with it, right? You have, to be, you have to know the dark side, the shadow side of that personality, and you're responsible with it. It's not an excuse. Well, that's just the way God made me. It's just the way I am. Just take it. No, 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 no. Grow up, be an adult, and, and be responsible for, with the personality, okay? You can't wound people and, and, and just think, no big deal. But on the other hand, let's say you're over here on the other side of the spectrum personality-wise, and you're more of a people pleaser, Right? You're like, oh, it's all good. I don't want, I don't want no, no conflict. I just avoid conflict. I just want it. It's so tense, and I just don't want to. Ah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. It's okay. You're going to really struggle if you're not careful with what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes because you will take what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. You'll be tempted to take it too far and take it to an extreme and become a doormat and just let people walk all over you, and that's not good either. So I say that to make sure you understand. Be aware of your approach to what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes because it's good for all of us and we all need it, whether you're a more dominant narcissistic type personality or you're more of a people-pleasing kind of personality. Be aware. And it's not, neither one of those are good things or bad things. There's good things and bad things about both, right? It's just a thing thing. We all have different personalities. You have to be responsible with it and know it when you come to this topic because I want to talk about a word that's gonna help all of us. I wanna talk about a word that is misunderstood because it's been mistaught and it's been misapplied and it's been tainted and because of that, people, especially in Christian circles and, and even in the culture, have just rejected this word. And the reason that's significant is because this word is very important to understanding how God created you to do relationships. This word is so vital in living in a way that honors Jesus and honors other people and honors yourself. Interestingly enough, this word is so very important and you cannot live the way of Jesus without it. So let's properly understand it. Let's properly define it. Define it. And this is the word. Submit. Or the word submission. Submit. Submission. Now immediately, some of you are going, uh-uh. Nope. See what I mean? Right? Yeah. It's one of those words like, I, I, don't know about, I don't know about that. Because see, what it does is it fights our tendency to make things about me, 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 me. This is what helps us not make it about me. And when I make it about me, I limit what the relationship can be. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the lid. I, I want to kind of, let's, let's experience how God intended this friendship, this co-working relationship, this marriage, these parent-child relationships, let's experience how God intended it for it to be. This helps us do that. Take the focus off ourselves. Submit, submission. Let's clarify it. To submit does not mean you're somehow less than. It does not mean that you are being controlled. To submit does not mean you're being dominated. Submit does not mean you're weak. It does not mean you don't have an opinion and that your opinion doesn't count. It does not mean that you are not valued. 
It does not mean that you just kind of simply lay down and let people walk all over you. That is not what submission is. That is a misinterpretation and unfortunate because it's such a vital word that we need to learn to embrace healthily. To submit really is about putting the other person first. That's it. Or another way to say it is this right here. To submit is to say you before me. You before me. You before me in every relationship dynamic, whether it's friendships, marriage, family, at the office, you before me. That is the key to how healthy relationships work. You before me. Incidentally, it is also the attitude and the motivation that drives things like serving one another. You before me, your needs before my needs. I'm serving you. It's the motivation and the attitude that drives healthy giving. I'm giving to you. I'm giving this because I'm putting myself last. I'm putting you, I'm putting this need above my own. It, it's what drives healthy sacrifice. All healthy relationships involve sacrifice. Well, the heart behind that is you before me. And it's really easy to say, you before me. In fact, let's all say it together. One, two, three. You before me. See, that didn't hurt. You have no idea who I live with. Right, I, I get it. You're right, I don't, I don't, I don't. You before me. This is such an important concept. I have actually changed my wedding um, ceremony notes to accommodate this. We talk about this. When I do weddings, I, this is what we talk about. And we're talking, you before me. Really easy to say and very simple to understand, isn't it? Right? You before me. You before me. No, you before me. I mean, in dating, marriage, friendships, you before me. Really simple to understand. So hard, though, to live out. Very difficult to live out. And so let's help each other. Paul, the apostle to the Ephesians in the first century, wrote a letter to them, this new church in the first century, and he framed up for them what submission is about. He helped them understand it in a way that they could actually do something about it and, and helped them understand that it wasn't just a one context. It wasn't just a marriage thing. It wasn't just a, a family thing. This is every relationship. And he actually breaks it down in Ephesians chapter five and Ephesians chapter six. And, and it's one big long section that is talking about what submission looks like. I invite you to read it on your own. Let me hit some highlights. It begins like this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk in the way of love. What he's getting, this is kind of like his topic that he's going to unpack in chapter five and chapter six. Do you remember in, um, in school, grade school, learning about what a topical sentence is? Topical sentence, the beginning of the paragraph, topical sentence kind of tells you what the paragraph is going to be about. And the paragraph supports the topical sentence. You can read books a lot more quickly. If they're written well, you can read the topical sentence, you know, and just like, okay, I kind of got a gist of what that paragraph is going to be about and that one and that one that one. You can, it really helps. That's what this is. This is a topical sentence. This is a topical lead in to the next section. He's going to talk about the way of love, the way of love. And Christ set the example. 
because he gave up himself. And in this, he describes the way of love. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit, there it is. You before me, you before me. That's what it's about, to submit to one another. Those two words are vitally important because that means all of us should submit to each of us. And each of us should submit to all of us. There are no exceptions. Yeah, but I bet he didn't mean, oh, yes, he did. Well, I bet he didn't mean, oh, yes, he did. One another. You can't one another without each other. You just can't. It, it, this is what this is about. One another. And then he breaks down and gets really specific in the rest of chapter 5 on into chapter 6 about who should submit. Who should do this? He breaks down the one another's and he starts with husbands and wives to each other. This is crucial. Husbands and wives in the marriage context should learn the art of mutual submission. Both looking to the other, saying, you before me. No, you before me. No, you before me. No, you before me. Don't you make me you before me. Right? I mean, let's, let's fight about it. Let's fight about this. You know, you before me kind of thing. Here's, this is so important because in the church context, let me just tell you, this has been mistaught because it's only been applied to women. Wrong. It's wrong. And we, you'd say, oh, yeah, because it starts. Wives submit to your husbands. And the husbands are like, mm, I love Jesus. <laughs> so good. I love the Bible. Yeah, preach, brother, preach. Right? Except that's where the husbands stop reading, dummies. Keep reading. He loads up on the husbands. And then says, husbands, you submit to your wife in such a way that you give your life for her. Just like Jesus gave his life for the church. That's what submission looks like for the husband. It's mutual. And tell me what wife... Who, who is not, who would be married to a man that gives his life for her on a daily basis. This is not just, I'll take a bullet for you, baby, if somebody's coming in the door. No, it's not just like that, okay? This is like in the way you treat each other every day. You give yourself for each other. And if you have a husband that gives himself for his wife, you know what the wife's response is gonna be? Oh, baby, I give myself right back to you. It is you before me, you before me, you before, oh no, you before me, you before me. Are you tracking with me? I wish I had time to spend a lot of time there. We'll come back to it sometime. Mutual submission. Marriage. Almost every marriage problem, almost every marriage problem that I can conceive of has tentacles that touch back into this. You, there's a you before me problem somewhere. Then he goes on. You keep reading. And parents, you'll be glad to know that he talks about children submitting to parents through a word called obedience. Children, obey your parents. The beginning of chapter six. This is, and it's the beginning of a new chapter, but they didn't have chapters and verses back then when Paul didn't write it in chapters and verses. Those things were added later just for us to find our place in all of this. So this is all big one section here. Children, submit to parents. Yay, parents, isn't that right? Like, when do kids pick up on that? I don't know. But it's in there. It's in the Bible, right? Whew. And then he goes on though, parents, and talks about parents submitting to children. You before me, you before me. Now, parents, this does not mean you give them 10 cookies when they ask for 10 cookies. 
What this means is, as parents, you are putting the needs of your child above your own needs. You before me, you before me, you before me. And then he takes it out of the family context and takes it. You keep reading into chapter six, he talks about the work environment. Now, in the first century, the work environment looked a lot different than it looks today, thankfully, but it's still the work environment. And so this is the way it's supposed to work at at work. Instead of in our culture where it's everybody's looking out for themselves, it's a dog-eat-dog world, you've got to climb to the top. Mm -mm. In Jesus' way, you submit your way to the top. You serve your way to the top. I mean, wouldn't you rather work in a relation, an environment where people are serving one another? Hey, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you before me? What can I do for you today? What can I do for you today? Hey, what can I? Yeah. Yeah, it applies to all the relationships. And one more thing before we move on. This is spiritual. He says, out of reverence for Christ. This is so important. We do this out of reverence for Christ. You may do it to them, but you're doing it for him. Out of reverence for Christ. This is spiritual. It's not just about you and them. Because you may be going, well, they don't deserve it. You're probably right. And neither do you. But do you know what he did? Do you know what they said? Do you know how they treat me? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? No, I don't. And I know you do. But that's beside the point. That's important. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm just saying out of reverence for Christ is why we do this. Let me say it like this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, this will work in all of your relationships. I dare you to try it and see if it doesn't work. It will work in every single one of your relationships too. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you name the name of Christ, this is required material for you. You don't get to opt out. Well, that didn't work for me. No, no, you're a follower of Jesus and this is the way of Jesus. And Jesus set the example and he gave himself up for us and we are to mirror him in our relationships. And so this is spiritual. It's a required way of life for Christians because we follow the way of Jesus, the way of love. You before me. I guess it's another way of saying, just get over yourself. Except that's a little more crass, so we'll say you before me. But that really, that's what it's about. Get over yourself. You want to make your marriage greater? Get over yourself. Now, you have to tell yourself in the mirror that when your spouse tells you that, it doesn't work as well. But, right, like, get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, okay, get over yourself. You might have to remind yourself, go into the bathroom, look in the mirror, get over yourself. Get over yourself, get over yourself, get over yourself. You before me, you before me, you before me. Don't make it about you. When you make the relationship about me, you limit what it can be. Hey, parents, get over yourself. You're a parent. What did you think you signed up for? Well, I'm just looking for the me, you know, what about me, what about me? You're a parent. You're raising other human beings. It's hard work and it's relentless and it doesn't let up. It's just a different hard as they get older. People say, oh, does it get easier? No, not yet. Not, I ain't figured it out. We're empty nesters. It's just a different hard. It goes from changing diapers to, did they pay their taxes? <laughs> right, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. It's just a different hard, okay? You tracking with me? Get over yourself. And Instagram is not your friend. Yeah, but she, she's getting a girl's weekend. She's getting a mom weekend. He's got, he's got this. He's, he's got guy's weekend. He's doing all this. And whatever. why can't I just stop all that and get over yourself? That was free. That wasn't in my notes. Dang it. <laughs> get over yourself. You before me. Here's what it looks like. Your needs before my needs. Imagine this in your relationship. Imagine this in your marriage. Imagine this at work. Your needs before my needs. Your feelings 
before my feelings. In our culture where we're all about, I want you to hear my feelings. Okay, I get it. That's a normal thing to want, but the way it should work is focus on their feelings. Focus on the other person's feelings. Your feelings before mine, your problems before mine, your solutions before mine, your idea before mine. Yeah, let's do your idea. Not like we'll do your idea and you know, I'll show you it ain't gonna work and then I'll say, I told you so. No, not like that. But, but yeah, your, your way before mine. Uh, a pastor in Atlanta, and we talk about him often, he's been a great influence in my life, Andy Stanley, he, he said it like this. He said, submission is really like a race to the back of the line. A race to the back of the line. You say, well, see, that's my problem with it. I don't want to be at the back of the line. Who wants to be at the back of the line? When you're at the back of the line, you get leftovers. You're at the back of the line, they run out of pizza. Right? You get at the back of the line, you get picked last on the team. But here's the deal. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, in the kingdom of God, this is how it works. That those that are at the back of the line will be honored first. Those that choose to be at the back of the line will be honored first. Jesus said in the kingdom, the first will be last and the last at the back of the line will be honored first. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? It's a you before me kind of thing. Imagine if just Christians got this right. Imagine if just Christians got this right. People who are sitting in churches and watching online just today, if there's enough of us in this community, there's enough of us in this country, there's enough of us in this world to change some stuff, y'all, if we just got this right. Amazing. Now imagine if you brought a you-before-me attitude and approach to that most challenging relationship in your life right now. Who's the most challenging relationship in your life where you before me is desperately needed. Don't look at the person beside you. Okay. Who is it? Imagine if you, you before me, them, if you, you before me, them in this relationship and in this situation, let me, let me paint a picture for you. It's really hard. If you envision that it's really hard to stay in conflict with someone that you're you before me I can use the phrase that way. It's really hard to stay angry at someone, to hold a grudge against someone, and to be bitter to someone that you are, you before me. Why? Because it not only does it have a tendency to affect them, it does something in your own heart as well. That you have to experience it yourself. And, and when you're you before me in that very difficult relationship, it will bring more harmony. You will experience more love. It will get stronger. And... Hey, let's go back to the happy word. People who are in relationships where you before me is the way they relate to one another, they're happier. And don't you want to be happy? Who doesn't want to be happy? You want a happy relationship? You before me, each other. You before me, the death out of each other and see how happy you get. It is a win, 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 win situation. Nobody loses. Which brings me to something that I want to finish with because I think some of you are already thinking this. I'm sure you are. So let me touch on it. You before me works best when it is mutual. That's the way it was meant to be. Where both people, it's a powerful thing when both people, husband and wife, wife and husband, both friends, parent, child, child, parent, brother, sister, coworkers, when we do this for each other, when two people mutually submit to one another, get this, nobody is left out. 
We meet each other's needs. Both are seen and heard. Both are served. Both are encouraged. Both experience love. That's the way it's supposed to be. We do this for each other. It works best when it's mutual. So what if it's one-sided? Because some of you are sitting there going, this is great, dude. But he won't play. My husband doesn't throw the ball back. My husband won't reciprocate this. My wife is so self-absorbed. And all she can think about is herself and her Instagram friends and everything. She won't. She just got this idea of how it should be because Oprah said and her friend said and everybody else, nothing against Oprah. I love Oprah. It's great, great stuff. But you know, just you, 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 me, 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 take me, 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 me. What, what do I, what do I do? She, yeah. But my friends and, and I work with people and, and my employer, my, the, the employees, I mean, and just, I, they don't, they don't throw the ball back. What do you do when it's one-sided? Well, you have to talk about it. It's awkward. Hey, this is what I'm trying to do for you. I hope you're experiencing that. I, I would desire and hope that you would reciprocate that back. And there's nothing wrong with having a conversation about it and talking about it because everybody's going to be happier when it works this way. And share, this is what your desire is. Now, talking and sharing about it is different than griping and complaining about it. You don't ever, you heard the preacher and God's gonna start you down and I'm gonna leave your butt and all this, you know, all this, oh. No, no, that's, that's, you'll never shame anyone to greatness. Ever, 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 ever. So have a conversation about this. It's, it's a matter of prayer and it takes time and patience and you may need to get some help. Yes, that means counseling. Counseling is not a bad word. It's a beautiful thing. Two people that are trying to learn how to you before meet each other. And it's well worth paying for. Don't be like, ain't the church got some free stuff we can take? No, no. The answer is no, no. You pay for it, you value it. Take it seriously. It's worth it. It's worth the investment. You before me. And if you're the only one doing it, listen very carefully. Keep doing it. Lead by example. If you're the only one, continue to be the only one. Praying for that to be reciprocated back. Working toward it to be reciprocated back. Yes, that's when it works best and when it's ideal. But when you're the only one, and we'll all go through lives when we'll be, times in lives when we may be the only one in a relationship, keep doing it. Why? Because you're not doing it for them anyway. You're doing it to them, but ultimately, this is for Jesus. We, we do this out of reverence, for Christ, it is spiritual. It's an act of worship. It truly is. A few months ago, one evening, my wife Donna and I were, um, I don't know, we weren't watching TV or anything, and we had eaten dinner, and it can get kind of quiet, which, you know, empty nest, and we, we kind of like it that way after, you know, two girls and lots of talking. We're great with not talking much. And so it was one of those things that I, I think I was doing an email thing and, and Don was looking at Instagram and she saw an Instagram post and we wished, we, we both remember it. We wish we would have screenshot it so we could give credit to the person that posted this. I'm not quite sure who it was. It was not original with me or my wife. But she showed me this. She said, this is so good. And I thought it was so good. I immediately pulled out my note system that I have and I took notes. I'm like, oh, this is so good. I'm doing a series in May where I want to share this. This is so good. And so I, I, whoever came up with this, kudos to you. It's fantastic. And it's the heart of you before me. And this is what the post said. 
Be a there you are person, not a here I am person. Chew on that. Isn't that great? How, how would things be different if you were simply a, a there you are person? Imagine what would happen in your marriage if both of you became, there you are. I see you. I hear you. I appreciate you. How can I serve you? How can I help you? Hey, I'm on my way home. Babe, what can I do? Can I pick up anything? What's your hope for tonight? What are we doing tonight? What, what can I help you with? You know, the kids being crazy or, uh, hey, sweetie, what, what are your plans for the weekend? I don't know. What are your plans for the weekend? What would you like? What's a 10 to you? I don't know. What's a 10 to you? What if you showed up at work? Hey, can I pick up something? I'm running to the, I'm running to the supply room. You need anything? Hey, I'm running out to lunch. I'm going to get coffee. You want me to bring you one? Hey, what can I, you're really under a lot of stress. What can I do? I got, I got an extra 15 minutes. Can I, can I pick up something for you? Can I do something? What? There you are, there you are, there you are. Not a, here I am, here I am. In the Instagram world, it's kind of funny, right? It's all about here we are, here we are. My perfect life, I'm perfect kids. Messy here, don't care. Here I am. What if we became there you are people? That is what you before me is about. And that is what will make a difference. How awesome the world would be if we would all just you before me. Right? Let's pray. Father, I know this seems idealistic. It seems pie in the sky. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, sure but it's not reality. And, and Father, help us to know that it can be reality with us. We can choose. Thank you for setting the example for us through Jesus. And I ask you to help me. You before me, my wife Donna, my daughters, Morgan and Maggie and their families, my friends, my coworkers, the wonderful people in this church, and the complete stranger I haven't even met yet. And I pray this for my friends here, because we need this. We need this. We can do this with your help and with your strength. We can do this. Help us to get over ourselves and follow your example. We should be you before me, people, because we serve a you before me, Savior. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.